down. I was eating so healthily. I was exercising. I was losing weight. Slow. It was all very slowly, but it was happening. The moment we were allowed out again, I just went back to my old habits, which is not being organized and having breakfast at home and getting random snacks along the way and spending money on unnecessary food. Feel the same. <laughs> I, I, I think I've gone the opposite because I would normally have a cereal, but now I have the luxury of extra time so i cook myself a full bacon and eggs uh toast you know the full shebang breakfast and i eat it all and i'm like whoa it's like a cafe yeah yeah home cafe <laughs> have we started yeah welcome to the indie setup <laughs> my name is sean and i'm here with uh bernadette fam we're back for a second season bernadette say hi to everyone hello welcome to the show now bernadette we were discussing before um <laughs> how we would actually label you because uh, because when i first met you you were an actor um but now you're like oh i don't don't know about that anymore and then i said oh so you're an independent producer and then you were like well i mean sort of i guess so how (laughs) how do we how do we pigeonhole you not that we need to pigeonhole everyone but uh how do we do that oh it's been a journey i think for like every emerging artist is like trying all these new different things and figuring out what they are um i like to call myself a multidisciplinary artist Mm -hmm. that was after someone explained to me the difference between interdisciplinary and multidisciplinary oh what is the difference (laughs) please so okay if you're thinking about theater making i might get this wrong but if you're an interdisciplinary theater maker which is what i do when i theater make you're incorporating different disciplines into the one show for example you're using music as well as tech space as well as physical theater or clowning in the one show but if you're a multidisciplinary artist you direct but you're also a writer but you also act and it's more so your holistic practice right yeah so it's like um (laughs) i don't know you could use the same ingredients to make a cake or a brownie it's just the way you package it right so um my artistry so um i'm an emerging theater maker director writer dramaturg and creative producer and that feels like a lot mm-hmm. <laughs> which i always feel like awake and that's why i reduce it into multidisciplinary no theater maker <laughs> because i'm like uh, I, I don't want to come across as one of those people that tries something once and then calls himself that thing. But all the projects I'm working at the moment, I'm literally producing a show, I'm writing, I'm theatre making another one, I'm directing and I'm dramaturging. And they're all things that I find fulfilment in and I'm pursuing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just feel, I always feel fulfilled and satisfied working on different things in different disciplines. If I was just doing the one thing, it wouldn't fulfill me because for me, I know what stories I want to see on the stage. I want to see the Australia that I grew up with, but I know I'm not always necessarily the right person to tell it in a certain discipline. I can write I can write um, a story with all these older Arabic ladies and <laughs> tell that story, or I can produce a show if I know I'm not the right person to direct it or perform in it, but a story I really believe in. Um, from a different culture or different experience I can help someone get their show on yeah um and they fulfill me equally and I'm figuring out now okay that's my independent practice what do I want to nail down on in terms of a long-term career that's a very interesting well thought out uh, (laughs) but yet off the cuff answer I'm impressed doesn't feel well thought out while you're doing it it's kind of winging it and just going (laughs) for projects that I that excite me and challenges that excite me and figuring it out along the way. Well, that's the the nature of being a, an emerging, you know, you can be whatever you want to be. And at the end of the day, it all feeds into the one craft, right? The the same skill set. It's all transferable. Yeah. Like you have an idea of what you like to do, what you want to do, future, past, present. Yeah. 360 degrees. <laughs> And it's crazy how intertwined everything is without you realizing it as well. Mm. Um, Because, yeah, I think it's inherent being an emerging artist, especially in the indie sector, trying to slowly transition to the professional sector. Yeah. 
the work that I want to get on, I often have many different hats on. And I feel like there's such a, a negative stigma around slashies. And I feel like, especially in when I'm in more professional conversations, um, where I have to be, and I'm doing this in inverted comments, like commas, almost selling myself. Yeah. People want to pigeonhole me. Like I had, I won't say the name because of privacy, but I had one, um, one industry professional from a theatre company have a conversation with me a year ago going, well, yes, but what are you? Mm -hmm. And at that stage, I very much was exploring, whereas now I have a better idea. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was like, oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, um, I'm really interesting in directing at the moment, but I also creative produce and theatre making, da-da-da-da-da. And I talked about how, for me, it's more story-based. And she was like, no, 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 but what's the one thing that you are? But what are you? Like, are you a director or are you an actor? And she just couldn't get it out of her mind that I could be more than one thing. Yeah. I mean, for some people, that's um, that's kind of what they need. They need to hear something that you can be ascribed to, that you can be known as, so they can kind of slap like a slogan or a uh, oh, character actor Sean Foster. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like something, something like that. And I can understand coming from that but it must be frustrating when you feel like you are more than what someone might want to label you as and I pride myself in how hard I work when I'm when I'm actioning a certain discipline Mm -hmm. Um, and I feel like I have been met with I don't want to say backlash because it's not that strong but (laughs) a bit of judgment because I know there is like a preconceived notion of oh okay if you're doing multiple things you can't be very good in any of those things. Yeah, to they be say excellent, jack of all trade, to... master of none. Yeah, exactly. But I'm never doing everything at once. Um, yep. And I pride myself in how hard I work. And I, I'm i always seeking opportunities to learn and absorb and just keep on bettering myself as an artist. Um, I feel like as long as I'm doing that, that's all I can do Yeah, and can be doing. Yeah. Um, and look, I'm going to be completely honest. Sometimes there are times where I wake up, I'm like, damn it. Why can't I be one of those people that wakes up and is like, I want to be this one thing and I'm just going to pursue <laughs> it because it seems so much easier <laughs> to be so focused on one, but I just wouldn't be fulfilled as an artist that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, let's talk um, a little bit more about you as a person, Bernadette. <laughs> I, so deep. Well, well, I, well, I know you very well. But um, some people may not necessarily know anything about you, and you know they can't see your face or your your smile. So uh, <laughs> let's let's tell them a little bit about yourself. So whereabouts are you from? Um, so I'm from Western Sydney. Oh my god, um, same. Yeah, oh my god, same. <laughs> <laughs> so I grew up for most of my life in Jemison Town, in the heart of Penrith, and then about. Six, seven years ago, moved to St. Mary's with my parents. We just downsized. And you're very passionate about that area. I know you're doing a yeah. project at the moment. Um, I'm not sure if it's... Did it just finish or... Oh, St. Mary's Kid? Yeah. That finished. Um, yeah, that was awesome. Um, shout out to Q Theatre <laughs> for having <laughs> me on board for that. Nick and Mel and Justin, who was there at the time when it started. But no, yeah, that was awesome. Um, I'm so fortunate that because it occurred during COVID, it was supposed to be a young artist ensemble um, that I was going to direct and we were going to devise a show inspired by the place of St. Mary's, mm-hmm. um, which was awesome because never in a million <laughs> dreams growing up did I think I was going to be able to make art about where I live in the place that I live. Yeah. Which was really cool. Um, so we got to do some, we did auditions in person and that was so much fun. COVID hit, but due to the genius that is Nick Atkins, mm-hmm. um, we figured out a way of converting it to an online format. So it did change a bit. I kind of moved from the role of director to more so facilitator and it was more skills-based program, yeah. um, which it always was, but it was amplified Um so how did it change exactly? So instead of it being specifically about St. Mary's because we were under lockdown and the individuals, um, because not everyone was from the, 
the area. Yeah. They're all Western Sydney, but just not specifically from St. Mary's. Yeah. We changed the theme to hometowns. Mm -hmm. And then essentially it was a program. It was a six-week program and every week was focused. So first week was creative writing. The next was, I think, sound design and production and audio composition. We had an animation week. We had an interactivity week. We had a spoken word week. And essentially every week we delved into as a group via a zoom call good old zoom yeah the you classic. love it or hate it but <laughs> oh, before it lo- before covid no one knew anything about it yeah so we what got- happened to skype you know where did ne- it skype go i was never a skype person either i just saw people in person it used know, to be a big thing train. and then it disappeared what's up with that no anyway <laughs> sorry <Poor> skype <laughs> go they on Side note, they could have totally capitalized on this situation, but Zoom just like snuck in from behind. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, oh, lost my train of thought. There That's it my is. fault. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So every week we got together, there was about six or seven people in the ensemble. Awesome artists. They were great, ranging from 18 to 26. Yes, 26. I think someone turned 27 during the program. Of all different experiences, different disciplines, which I love. I love working with artists from all different disciplines and seeing everyone help each other and try new things. And every week we had a different almost uh, provocation surrounding hometowns. Um, For example, changing hometowns, our relationship to our hometowns, future hometowns socioeconomic stigmas about our hometowns because that's a very big thing surrounding Western Sydney. Um, And they each have to create two creative responses every week with the discipline that we learnt um, and a discipline of their choice. And that could be in the program or not in the program. Yeah, so the work that they came up with was incredible. Everyone just pushed themselves further than I could have ever imagined. People who were like, oh, no... Uh, audio composition i'm so scared i've never done it came out with some pretty banging tracks oh yeah (laughs) everyone just i think they surprised themselves yeah which was such a joy to see like that moment of oh i can do this Mm -hmm. something that never in a million dreams i would even think to try like at the animation week everyone freaked the heck out yeah for sure (laughs) but no what they came up with i could not have asked for more their generosity in that space and with each other especially since it was a weird circumstance because most of them hadn't met each other in person because they weren't in the same audition group yeah it was it was a joy to run that program do you find that's kind of your experience as well of kind of surprising yourself with each new little project you take on um yeah I think that's why my first love always will be interdisciplinary theater making and Mm -hmm. devising because I feel like that really does offer artists room to discover those things about themselves especially when you have different disciplines in the room Um, which actually started my love for that started drama school we devised which was awesome but we were all in the same discipline yeah um, but when I did the Originate program myself at the Joan a few years ago, and we had musicians in the room, we had dancers in the room, actors, writers, and just seeing seeing myself try things and craving new experiences and that feeling of accomplishment when I do something that I didn't think I could. That, that I think that definitely is something that I strive to do with as many projects as I can. Yeah. Yeah, just always at least there being one thing that I haven't tried before. I don't even know if I answered your question. <laughs> oh, fair enough. I, hey, it was interesting nonetheless. So let's go, let's talk about producing now. So you just did a really interesting project, um, Theatre Buses. Mm, Can you Sydney. tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, Sydney Theatre Buses. That was a whirlwind. Um, so the equally brilliant Alex Merlage and Antoinette Barbudos. Um, they came to Green Door with the idea of Sydney Theatre Buses, which was essentially theatre on a bus. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we had three hosts, Lucia, Simon and Chica, and we took a bus tour around Sydney of all of um, Sydney's dark theatres and told stories, histories, um, they were little personal stories from each of the hosts from the theatres as well. We had special guests, little snack packs, 
um, cruises at one point. <laughs> um, but yeah, we the entire team just kind of aimed to celebrate theatres and it was an ode to theatres, but also I think it also provided a lot of hope as well for what we're fighting for and what I know, I have faith we're going to get back. Yeah. Um, but it was a fun time. Yeah. Yeah. It's time. really up in the air at the moment for theatre in general, especially with a the restrictions on venue capacity and, you know, social distancing and having to adhere to all of that. Yeah. But also in terms of financially, it's very difficult to put on uh, indie theatre show at the best of times. But then adding in all that uncertainty as yeah. well, especially with COVID, because people like may not necessarily be able to even go to, you know, buy a ticket and see a show because so many people have lost their jobs and all that sort of stuff. But I find it really interesting as well, the level of creativity that um, kind of comes from that. adverse circumstances Mm. like you've come up well like you and your team everyone has come up with this idea of putting a show on a bus because like you're not allowed into a theater so why not (laughs) but still being able to incorporate the theaters in a way i think is really interesting too but it's like that sort of and even with the you know you were saying how you did the whole devising over zoom again it's just finding a different way to be creative in in a less than optimal world you know <laughs> <laughs> i don't want to say i don't want to say bad um because you know that that kind of implies like a like a malice you know yeah. to unfortunate circumstances yeah i don't know what do you think <laughs> I don't know. Do you, the the do look you, you just gave me. <laughs> I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, the, I, I what I what said. Uh... No, I completely understand what you mean. I think this has been a time for creatives. It's been a very trying time, but it's been very inspiring to see how different artists have taken that challenge head on. Yeah, and have really embraced the circumstances, no matter how dire they currently seem. Um. Like you had the Griffin lock-in, yeah. which I thought was awesome. Um, and this is coming from someone that I I haven't been one of those people that has been able to enjoy all the live streamed theatre. I think it's been awesome. It's been available and accessible to everyone. But for me, it just, there was a long time during COVID that I just felt like I couldn't do any art yeah. or any theatre. Different priorities with family in relation to COVID and things like that. I just, it felt almost icky. Like I could, not icky, but I don't know how to word it. I just needed that time away. Well, just So to see other artists be able to take those circumstances and really breed into their own and come up with all these creative things. Yeah. Um, it was awesome. Well, I, it yeah. makes sense to, to feel like you need to take a step back because, mm. you know, there are more pressing things, you know, more pressing uh, issues if yeah. you do have um, you know family and people you need to take care of and take care of yourself of course mm. so yeah that's completely understandable too mm. and I think it's I was having this conversation with someone at the start of COVID um, before oh no I think it was in the middle of COVID when things like properly hit me yeah um, and I think for our generation I don't want to say for all um, but I think for our generation who have grew up in Australia and relatively like normal is the complete wrong word here, um, who have grown up in Australia in relatively safe circumstances, like this is almost the first big thing our generation has had to deal with. Mm-hmm. We haven't needed to deal with a war. Um, we haven't needed to deal with a pandemic of this scale. Yep. Something like this that is this close to home. I say most because, of course, there's so many wonderful people out there who come from refugee backgrounds and other circumstances. Mm-hmm. But for a lot of us, it's really the first huge thing that has come this close to home. Yep. So knowing how to deal with that and not knowing how to deal with that, I think, for me personally, 
it took me a while to register what was actually going on. The severity. Yeah, and how close to home it actually was and could be, especially since I live with, um, like, my dad's 82, my mum is 60, and me and my brothers at the start of this were like, oh, shoot, we actually have to be super careful here because if something happens... Well, they're more vulnerable. Yeah, they're so much more vulnerable. And it's not a nice thought whatsoever, but it's reality. And um, yeah, so I know my priorities definitely shifted. Like it was a weird thing of like... Well, and probably rightly so. Yeah, it was just a weird thing because I was like, it made me stop and reflect and shift those priorities because for such a long time, I was just working all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time. That's where my priority was. Yeah. And then that happening i was like whoa hang on yeah there's more to life (laughs) yeah much more to life yeah because pretty much the only people you could go and see was your immediate family so i think i saw them a little bit more too in that time so yeah yeah i i definitely agree and i feel like it's the sort of thing that takes so much energy and like just the negative news and like the fear and the draining it's everywhere around you yeah 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 it's so draining um, it's okay to take a break and take a step back and it's, you have to stay informed, of course, but you need to look after yourself Yeah, and your loved ones. It's the number one priority and, um, do what you need to do in order to do that and don't let anyone tell you that that's what you shouldn't be doing. Yeah. It's going to be so different for every single person. Exactly. That's the thing. Like, even though it's a shared experience amongst all of us, every single person is going to cope differently. Some people will have to focus on family. Some people, all they have is work. Um, there's a million other factors that could be in the mix. So mm. it's just, I think it's just important to be compassionate and generous with each other at this time and to just recognize, okay, just because I'm feeling this way doesn't mean the person across from me having the same experience important to be open and honest very about open it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and honest did you know that create new south wales calls you one to watch <laughs> oh that was a surprise that article <laughs> that, <laughs> i like i like the um the phrasing of it one to watch when i saw that because i didn't know that was gonna happen because i got the Young Creative Leaders Fellowship mm-hmm. 2019. I was so excited because that was like the first major thing. Well, that was my biggest achievement in my entire yeah. life. I was like, holy shit, someone's paying me $10,000 to do art to do oh, this okay, project okay. that I care about. What the <laughs> frick? Yeah. Um, why me? Um, and then they literally just emailed me being like, oh, hey, um, we think your project school, do you mind doing like an email interview? They just asked me a couple of things. I didn't know they were going to call it that. Mm. <laughs> my friend, I was in rehearsals and my friend Nicole just like showed it to me. She goes, look. And I literally, I swore. I was just like, what the F? <laughs> like, <laughs> me? Oh, no. <laughs> but-, but hey, they have uh, confidence in you and your work. <laughs> they want to see more. They want to see more from you, Bernie. <laughs> it feels good. Speaking of more from you, Bernie. <laughs> That's my favorite. I've been doing that in real life. I've been saying, <laughs> speaking of, in like real life conversations. Between, the transitions here, it's, it's seamless. Oh, uh, well, not when, you, not when you point out that they're seamless, because that means you noticed it, doesn't it? Um, I watched your, um, your short film, Trove. Ah. Yeah, yeah. And I wanted to ask you about that. Um, so you can watch it on the PYT Fairfield uh youtube channel it's up there and it's like a stop motion animation of printed photographs that your dad took right yeah um i can't believe you watched it i didn't think anyone really knew that that was a thing (laughs) don't be ridiculous i (laughs) did my research bernie (laughs) no yeah pyt at the start um of isolation we're just like how can we keep our artists more involved um and so they had an artist in isolation series and they really gave me and a few other artists they were really like what do you feel like making um and mine at that point was that was the point where I was like that came right in the midst of the time where I felt like I couldn't make anything yeah as well I don't know what was stopping me I was having a really hard time thinking that what I was making what I wanted to make creatively 
had any importance in the world at the moment. Yeah. And I think that's what was stopping me. Um, so I think that came at a really good time. Um, I remember having that meeting being like, I don't know what to make. But it felt right that I was spending more time with my family than I ever had before. And I had this, I have this play that I'm writing about my dad's life that I've been developing for a while. Um, and I was, I, the other, the week before that had just stumbled across these old photo albums that we had. And so I kind of pitched the idea to PYT. I was like, I haven't really looked through the photo albums. I don't know what the video will kind of be, but Mm. I'm kind of digging this animation route that I'm currently teaching in this other project. Yeah. Um, Because I had done stop motion a few times before that. And I was like, I feel like doing it again. Um, so yeah, it's just a stop motion video about my experience of looking through these photographs of my dad and mum when they first came to Australia and seeing the people that they were back then, especially since my dad had me when he was 60. And a big part of this play that I'm writing is about the fact that I don't actually know him. That's 60 years. That's a full lifetime that I did not know him for. Exactly. I've only gotten this little sliver of his life. So seeing this version of my dad, like like the smiles on his face, how carefree it was. It was almost like it was an actor (laughs) because the version of my dad that I know is so different. Yeah. It's so monumentally different. Yeah. So uh, you can go ahead and watch it on the PYT website. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) it's, it's a really like, um, it's hard to explain because it's so simple in its concept, but it's very like, romantic in a way like in the in the traditional like literary sense <laughs> not necessarily like here's a rose juliet but um <laughs> but like it's the, from the you know yeah. from the perspective of like oh wow that's that's a whole nother a whole nother set of stories that yeah you can you can learn about and things like that but you know everything i know about stop motion is that it's the most painful <laughs> painstaking time sucking way to make anything i i i wanted to make a a stop motion the other day i was like oh let's do a stop motion and everyone was like nah <laughs> we don't i don't want to spend a million years taking a thousand photos but, <laughs> but literally i guess literally what well, i did <laughs> i guess that's how you did it and it's kind of meta that you were taking photos of photos to animate them <laughs> Oh, my mum thought I was going crazy. My mum's not artistic whatsoever, so she's had to, like, just adjust to the weird things I do at home. Um, So she just couldn't grasp this concept of why I was on the backyard table. If you saw my tripod, it was ridiculous. It was like a washing basket (laughs) with books. I had to have the tripod, the end of it, balanced on the books, and it was, like, sticking out with the camera pointing down. This does not make sense to anyone who did not see it. But then to balance a tripod, I had like these gym weights. I had right. like a cover on top of the tripod, then gym weights. It was the most ridiculous thing So ever. you've laid the tripod out flat <laughs> to get your camera. <laughs> and my mom was just like, what is this? And I just spent like a solid, it took like six hours to take those photos. Because I was like, oh, I want it to be really smooth. Yep. Da, 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 da. And it's, it- like a, it's like a two and a half, three minute film, right? <laughs> I didn't realize, I forgot because I hadn't done stop motion in years. Like I forgot how long and how precise it is, which all kind of went to shit because the stop motion <laughs> application that I was using, I was using it for the first time. And when I exported it, it jumped a lot. Mm. So now there are some transitions in that stop motion that I'm just like, that looks like I got lazy and took a photo at one end and took a photo at the (laughs) other end. (laughs) But it's fun. It's very worthwhile stop motion. I think everyone should do it because you do get that satisfaction at the end of being like, look, I made a thing move. (laughs) Look look at it go. But I will say I did like the simplest form of stop, stop motion. Those people that do the claymation, mm. I am in awe of those artists because the amount of times they have to manipulate the yeah. clay and in such minuscule fragments to have it that smooth, I'm in awe. Yeah, not only are they filmmakers, they're setting up the lighting, the shot, the frame, they're also sculptors. Oh, yeah. 
like and they sculpt the same thing thousands and thousands of times which is just amazing yeah and yeah so mine is if you watch it it's a very much a diy version <laughs> lighting is shifting yeah very much at home with minimal material yeah. version. But I, I don't know i think that speaks to the charm of making something from home in your in your isolation like it's a like it's not it's not claiming to be a big budget wallace and gromit sequel you know <laughs> It's it just is what it is. Hey, Wallace and Gromit is great. Oh, don't get me wrong, I love Wallace and Gromit. <laughs> I think there should be a, a Curse of the Were Rabbit too. I suppose I should ask you about um your involvement with Green Door. Mm. Um is it Green Door Theatre Co? Uh Theatre Company. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're a very specific um company. I've seen a bit of their work now where they really focus on like uh untold stories of kind of minority groups is that kind of the focus correct me if i'm wrong it's so we're very artist led in our practice so green door is myself and my incredible amazing other half leela and right she's like my creative soulmate (laughs) (laughs) um she's incredible she took me under her wing through green door it's become our baby so yeah we really focused on yeah telling the stories of the Australia that don't get put on and really fostering and nurturing new work and we don't always do new work um but we're quite artist-led so if an artist wants to work with us they're like yep come on down let us know what you want to put on um and we really try to give the artists as much agency as possible um and we support them the best we can as creative producers um and it's dependent on who the artist is if it's a director it's very different if it's an actor who really wants to do a certain work but yeah the stories that we're interested in it's we have had people kind of say like oh yeah like I've had someone say to me oh you only do minority stories and I'm just like no that's not sure what we're doing these are stories that we want to celebrate because they're so interesting and rich and full of the complexity of the human experience. And yes, we want to, we want to celebrate these stories. And a part of that is they haven't had a chance to go on Australian stages because no one will give them a chance Yeah, because of the politics of Australian theatre. Um, they don't, everyone knows what's been going on with Black Lives Matter and how that's translated into the theatrical industry and people, there being a lot of verbal allyship and mm, things like that. Very um, much like trickling down from like <laughs> yeah. Hollywood level. Yeah, kind of. and it's amazing that these conversations are happening. Um, yeah. But we're just trying our very best to take action on that from the very beginning of the company starting yeah. and to look at it at a way of going, okay, this is an awesome artist who has so much to offer and this is what they want to do. Yeah, we just find artists that are exciting to work with and stories that we want to tell, which is stories resonant with the Australia that we know. And I feel like it's kind of as simple as that. They're not all Australian plays, um, because but off, but they always, always, always have relevance to the Australia that we know. Mm. And who we are as Green Door, it's always evolving. It's always changing. Um, I I love the company. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Leela is such an incredible and nurturing artist and producer. And she has such vision for where she wants to see the Australian industry. And to be able to work with her as her other half on this company has been one of the most fulfilling experiences I've, I've had to date. Yeah. yeah. So Leela is kind of, I don't know, like a mentor figure to you oh yeah i Mm. always joke (laughs) that she's like my mum. she's like your theater mom she's three years older than me but i have this joke with her every time she's like um text me when you get home saved i'm like thanks mom love you mom (laughs) no she's more like a big sis (laughs) yeah um no i definitely consider leela as a mentor even though it's like we're we're mates like we're such good mates um but the amount that she has guided me, it has influenced my practice so much and enriched my practice so much. I definitely consider her as like an unofficial mentor. Like she is so generous with her knowledge and her experiences. Do you think that's like something that's important to have? Like a, I don't know, like a mentor or a, a guiding 
figure or I think so. I I have a few people in my life that I've been so fortunate to have as my mentors. Um and it's almost always just happened by happy accident. Is it do you, do you like yeah. do you kind of like cuz I don't know, I don't really feel like I could say oh yes, yeah, so and so is yeah. my mentor necessarily. Yeah. Um so is it like a that's why I'm genuinely curious. Yeah, yeah, of course. Do you like sit down and go, "Hey, would you <laughs> would you mentor me?" Like um, did you legitimately just ask? So my so it's different for every person. Um so Leela is like very much like an unofficial one that mm-hmm. I consider. I have a couple like that incredible women who have just kind of always been there for me are super happy to always answer a question and have always made me feel like they're genuinely invested in me as a person as well as an artist and want to see me succeed they know who they are they know how much I appreciate them and then another mentor of mine Anissa who is incredible that very much was I got the fellowship I needed a mentor to get the fellowship and I emailed her be- I had met her as once one before. of the requirements yeah for- you needed a mentor and so I very literally was like Hi, we've met once. You're amazing and awesome. I think you would be an incredible mentor. I saw your work. I think you can help me out a lot. And having the official mentorship with Anissa, um, that experience from the start of last year has what's told me it's so important Mm -hmm. to have one. Because I went into it thinking it was going to be a mentorship on the show, but what it's turned into is being a mentorship in just general life and looking after myself. And that's something I didn't know what I needed. Yeah. From our very first meeting, um, she was so honest and was like, how are you going to look after yourself in this process? Um, doing interviews of verbatim can be quite draining. Make, um, do you have a process? She gives me provocation questions and ideas and, yeah, especially even, if you're interviewing people yeah. and they, they've got quite distressing trauma to share yeah and I think with that project especially I had not re- I had focused it so much on looking after the women so this was uh this was project. middleware yeah, yeah the middleware one that I got the create New South Wales fellowship for I had focused it so much on looking after the women that I was interviewing that I completely forgot about myself yeah so you and were I- interviewing older was it 40 plus it was um, women of all ages, from five years old to oh, right. seventy-five years old. Yeah, um, Arabic women about their experiences living and working in Western Sydney, okay. um, and their experiences coming to Australia, intergenerational experience. Um, it was very broad. It was a very much the beginning of a project. Yeah, but I didn't know how much I was going to take it out of me, and and since then that mentorship, even though the project is over, I she's someone that I know I can just always go to about life when I'm feeling really lost. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, she, Anissa is an incredible, incredible, generous woman um, who is so passionate about Western Sydney and giving back to Western Sydney, an incredible artist in her own right as yeah. well. Um, she was doing her own fellowship at the time as well, so that says a lot, the fact that she was still willing to help me out, <laughs> a random. <laughs> but um, so to answer your question and go back... To the one before last. In regards to mentoring. Uh, yeah, and I think. Getting a mentor. As an emerging artist, there is so much mystery and cloudiness about how you actually do the thing and how to f- start to set the foundations of your career, how to transition from emerging to working semi-professionally to professionally. There's just so much that you don't know. There's so much I still don't know. But I know I would not be there where I am today without those incredible women just telling me, like, no, you can go for that thing. Or um, have you ever thought about this? Or are you sure this is where you should be putting your energy? Are you doing this for yourself or for someone else? Mm -hmm. And to have a bit of that reality check, but that guidance. I I know I would feel really lost. In saying that, a mentor isn't for everybody. I know people that have absolutely smashed it without having a mentor because they know exactly where they want to go and that's completely fine i just know for me personally it's been incredibly helpful Mm -hmm. especially for my mental well-being especially for my mental well-being well i think that's a sign of strength and in its own self-awareness right you're Mm. you're recognizing 
uh, a weakness in yourself that you can supplement by having the wisdom of someone who's kind of been through where you have been or where you are and can give you some advice I suppose and it's not even you don't even need to have an official mentor per se it's just surrounding yourself with people that are going to be your safety net Mm -hmm. your support system they might be at the same stage of their career as you Um, they might be just starting out I have some awesome people in my life who are less experienced than me but I know as a person if I if I need to unload or vent like they are so generous and open in that or they might be people who are so experienced in the field um, and are higher up in their career. It's, it depends on what you need. Um, it could just be a friend. <laughs> yeah. Um, for me, it was, for me, it changes between having a support, having people who, and this is stuff I haven't asked for. And I've just, just been so fortunate to receive like between support, having insight on just how, on just how shit works (laughs) i didn't grow up in the art so i did not know like i'm still figuring it out yeah i feel um reassurance challenging me it's yeah it's different for every person but as long as you have a safety net it could be one person five people when it goes dark or you feel a little lost or you don't know what the next step is that you can be like hey like what do you think Mm -hmm. i think it's super important yeah. It takes a lot of the weight off your shoulders. You're not, even though it's your practice, the weight isn't all on you. You're not stumbling like forwards in the dark, kind of yeah. trying to find something to grab onto. Well, there'll definitely be moments where it's like that. Well, yeah. <laughs> in anything, really, I suppose. But um, that's very sweet. I don't want people to feel like, though, oh, shoot, I don't have a mentor. Like, what am I going to do? Da 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 da. Um, it's just a support system, I think. Yeah. And then if there's something you know you need. Well, like you allude to, a mentor can take a number of Different forms. formations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If there's something you feel like you need, I think the main thing I want people to take is ask. <laughs> the biggest thing I've learned is that people want to help. Yeah. Um, For so long, I was like, oh, they have no idea who I am. Like, why should they care? Da, 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 da. That's so edgy. It's like, just ask. <laughs> That's so teen angst. I know. Who am I? Who am I? Don't beat yourself up if you're having those feelings though. Like yeah. it's okay to feel that way and know that there is more help than you realize. People want to help. Just mm. reach out. The worst that you will get is a no slash a no response, which is also a no. <laughs> yeah. Um, but if you ask, at least you're opening the door to a yes. And if they decide to close it, it's still a no. That's fine. That's the same as, as if you never asked. But yeah. there is that possibility for a yes. And if you never ask, yeah. the answer is already no. Yeah. But if you do ask, there's a chance there's a to chance. have a yes. And I try to apply that to pretty much everything nowadays. Like, Bernard, go for the opportunity. Like, just do it. Get yeah. over yourself. Just do it. <laughs> and it's proved to be so much more successful than I could have ever imagined it to be because you never know. You you just never know what other things people are looking for. You might not be right specifically for that project, but there might be something else. Yeah. Waiting around the corner. Um, and to never let yourself being the thing that's stopping you. What's been your favorite thing like your career highlight kind of so far what's been your your most fun most uh standout moment for you oh god <laughs> what I'm a really, question well, i'm really interested because you have such a eclectic <sighs> kind of all over the place experience I and i feel like it could be could be really interesting you know what this is gonna be a bit more of a vague answer for mm-hmm. me it wasn't really an achievement but there was a moment last year where it actually like it carries on to like a moment that I had like at during COVID where I just felt like I had finally gotten clarity on where I wanted to go. Mm-hmm. How I'm going to get there, I have no idea whatsoever. But <laughs> um, having that pressure just leave my shoulders. This is going to sound really odd. But um, because, you know, I trained as an actor and I think because, because I had such a, it was such a big decision for me to go to acting school in the first place. Like, you know, like Arabic parents, I think it's a hobby, 
got into law school at UCID. That's what I was supposed to do. Then last minute got into drama school. Yeah. Like it was not, I was 17. So I did not think that through. Um, <laughs> I was just, I auditioned for one just for the, I was just like, eh, why not? And then I got in, I was like, oh, this is a decision. Yeah. Because it was such a big thing for me. I was always someone that was like, like growing up as well, like not much money. Like it's not a sob story. I'm very happy with the way that I grew up, but it was very much like you go a certain way so that you can be happy. If you look after yourself, you can be happy. It never so- hurts to have a sob story though. <sighs> Actually, I use that term. I don't really like the term sob story. Mm. It's it has such a negative connotation. It's very self-pitying. Yeah. But anyway, anyway, the it was such a big decision for me to be an actor and I wasn't feeling satisfied with it for a long time. Yeah. And it wasn't until like end of last and I, I was like, why, why, why? Like, so you was, kind of felt like you had sunken so much into it and it would be like a shame to, to not be satisfied from it? I realized that, yes, there were other things I was super interested in, but I was like fighting for it so hard. Well, there was one thing that I was, I'm just really <laughs> at auditions. <laughs> if it's a cold read, it's great. Like, <laughs> and I always love theater making, but acting out the work that was being put on, I just wasn't feeling joy from it. I was like, why? You love performing. Like, I know I love performing to this day. And I realized it's because I didn't really care for what I was telling. The material itself. Yeah. And oh, that sounds really bad in one way. But what I mean by that is there were, other things I was feeling more satisfied by and that satisfied, fulfilled by. Um, and it was telling stories. And I said this before, telling stories of the Australia that I grew up with in other capacities. And I was like, hang on, that's not happening through acting at the moment because these stories just aren't being put on. It's part of why I started producing. I wanted to learn how to get these stories on the stages. Mm-hmm. And I loved writing. I loved theatre making and directing and the moment I realized I don't feel like I feel like I have a bigger purpose than to just be an actor that weight that left my shoulders was immense <laughs> well, like it comes back moment, to that thing of not pigeonholing yeah, yourself right but, yeah but it was like for me to have that moment of clarity within myself and to be accepting of it and being okay with things changing For me, I think out of my entire career, it's not like a career highlight of like one thing I worked with, just having that moment of clarity because for a long time I was like, oh, I love doing all these things, but I just don't know where to go. As soon as I had that moment of just letting go and like, I'm not saying I'm never going to act again. Like I love performing. I'll always be theater making and performing. I'm not saying I'll never like to act again. Like randomly auditioned for something yesterday I didn't think I was going to audition for. I find joy in it, but I feel like my purpose in life is more. And as soon as I started concentrating my energies into those things, the past year has been like a whole nother level. You're not limited. Yeah. I'm not limited by where I can go and it's okay to go there. And there's creative avenues that yeah. you wouldn't necessarily even know about yeah. that exist. Like who would have thought, you know, five months ago that there would be a show in a bus? <laughs> you know what I mean? We didn't know that two months ago. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. But so, yeah. like, it, so many things can come yeah. out. And you talk about, like, um, where you want to go. Yeah. Is that something that you have, like, a clear, definite kind of... Because, you know, people people um, set up their goals, like, very differently. Mm. For me, I don't really like to go, I want to be this. I'm, like, looking at the next step in that journey rather than, like, what's the... What's the end result? I'm like, well, what's next? What's next? What? How do I progress? That's what I'm that? learning to do. Yeah. Because I feel I know where I want to go in the long term, but I've I'm learning to be kind to myself about expectations on getting there, and allowing that to change as well. Like, even though I had that moment of clarity, it's okay if that changes further. Like, you don't have to be set in stone. You're mm-hmm. not a failure if that changes. So what I'm learning is very much like what you're doing, which is, okay, think about the next step and really focus on what skills do I need to get there rather than yeah. what projects. Um, this year I've been focusing a lot on my directing, writing and dramaturgy. And I know that those are the fields that in the long term I will still be doing because it's someone gave me very good advice Um during COVID, I had a phone call with someone. I was just like, I don't know. Mm. Um, and they gave me very good advice. They were like, what can you not live without? Yeah. 
which is very intimidating as a thought. And I felt like I couldn't answer it. Now that I'm thinking about it, I was like, I can't live without not telling new stories. Yeah. I love writing. I'm never going to be able to live without that. Um, directing. I've always directed from a theater making standpoint. I feel like I need to explore text-based work because I haven't challenged myself with that yet. Um, so I'm still exploring that side of things. Yeah. But yeah. When you say text base, you mean like traditional plays, like plays that like right. you're, you're given, you're you, given a play a and memorize. then you direct yeah. it, yeah, rather than devising and collaborating on the floor. That's isn't it interesting how we we just went completely different ways. I'm like, yeah, you're given a script, you memorize it, yeah, you're, <laughs> you're an actor, uh, you know, you work on your objectives, and you're like, yeah, you're given a script and then you direct it, you work out what you know what it means. <laughs> That's, that's just the different brains. Well, that's exactly, exactly. So. Same result, same same show is going to come out of that, really, more or less. I think the same, I think if people, oh, that's not what I was, I was about to say something, I was like, that's not what I mean whatsoever. What Don't do I say mean? that. <laughs> what am I saying? I think to an extent, like if you have a, if you have a piece, it's a, if you have a piece, like you'll give, like I give you a play. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> Depending on who's working with it and whether the writer is involved or not. I think different versions can come to light and different interpretations, but it's important to always keep the heart of the show. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And ultimately that's decided in the story. Yeah. And if you're true to the story, everything that you do will make sense mm. and fit. As long as you have people working on it who truly care about that story. Yeah. I know in an ideal world, it doesn't always happen. <laughs> but, um, yeah, if you have people who are just as invested in the story as you are, only magic can be made. Yeah. <laughs> your face. <laughs> That's nice. I like that. What do you mean your face? Hey. You just squinted at me like you're trying to work out what I just said. I was like, I was like, yeah, yeah. So it was a good squint. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> that's nice. Anyway, well, thanks for coming on, Bernadette. I think we'll end it there. That's okay. So is a bit of a ramble. Oh, I love a good ramble. I love a good <laughs> ramble. Well, once again. Is uh, that already an hour? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Let me let me do my outro. You do your outro. Do you have any closing thoughts, Bernadette, before we, uh, before we wrap it up? thinking music (laughs) (laughs) i will say what's currently happening in the world at the moment between everything whether it's covid or conversations about inclusion and diversity the industry is in a big time of change and you navigate that the way you need to navigate it and if it's not the way everyone else seems to be doing it that's okay that's what I'm going to say. Thanks for that. You're welcome. <laughs> well, once again, thank you, Bernadette fam, for joining me on the Indie Setup. My name is Sean Foster, and we are brought to you by Shape House Productions. Thanks for listening. <laughs>